Wake up! Wake up, wake up, wake up! Up you wake, up you wake, up you wake, up you wake! This is TC and Jake. Your voice of choice. The world's only 12-hour strong man on the air. Here on We Love Radio 108 FM. The last on your dial, but first in your hearts. And that's the truth. Here I am. Am I here? You know it. It, you know. This is TC and Jake. Doing the nasty to your ears, your ears to the nasty. Eyes only play the platters that matter, the matters they platter. And that's the truth. From the heart of Bed-Stuy, you're listening to TC and Jake. Doing the yin and the yang, the hip and the hop, the stupid fresh thing, the flippity flop. Oh! Welcome in, folks, to the last It's Just Banter of the Year. Time for reflection and looking forward to a bright new future when we may fulfill our promise to hold another Patreon party. <laughs> Is that a promise? Uh, I think at some point. I think after the uh, the uh, interview month, we were like, and we're not okay. going to stop there. We're going to keep it rolling. We're going to have a Patreon party, and I, I haven't uh, thought about it again until now. Well, I'm certainly down, and my New Year's resolution, <laughs> Kathy Lee, is I'm going to remember the relative ease and calm of not having to work most weekends from January through September this time around. You know what okay. I mean? Okay, yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to remember what this last three months has felt like. And maybe it was also just the introduction of a bloated crow line, but I am going to fully enjoy every fucking Sunday I have and every Saturday. And long about, I don't know, Feb 20, I'm getting in that pool in a wetsuit. And I'm going to enjoy it. Because, yeah. We it would be get, so great if you did get a wetsuit so you can enjoy your pool. Yeah, longer. but I still. <laughs> and just like every time I would, like people would come over, it would be like just you because you're the only one with a wetsuit. You'd be like, come on, guys. It's fine. Put on your suits. You didn't buy suits. Pool is Luke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you got the suit on, you can't even tell, dude. I've rented a margarita machine. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm on, on March 13th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm definitely down to do another party. Uh, just the fall makes it a, a real bitch. Although our pizza plug moved on from pizza yeah so we're gonna have to get you to slide back into those hut dms and get, get some all more. the fucking uh, fresh vegetables we want for the party though yeah yeah i think uh since it was on the podcast um initially and then the follow-up was during <laughs> what if, the talk we did just send like a big like fucking truck full of like uh, tomatoes and celery <laughs> and cauliflower <laughs> yeah. and we just laid it all out uh, like what's wrong <laughs> this, this is not on brand we have these and uh, kombucha. <laughs> yeah, got it on tap. <laughs> um, since the the initial discussion was on the podcast, but the uh, follow up and the conclusion was on the "It's Just Banter Live Moss" section. Yeah, I think you need to tell people what the hut slid through for you with. Yeah, the, I mean the in. the headline item was a uh, was a gift card of a still undetermined amount. I bought a twenty six dollar dinner for the family uh using it and fucking robin hood basically and they handed it back to me like there was still more more left and didn't ask for any money so that that's wonderful it was picked up whatever i was guessing like how much uh that was on the card i was like i don't know five bucks right it's a free fucking card right um 
but then uh, the other big uh, big item is uh, got a little pizza candle. It's a candle <laughs> that smells like pizza. Yeah, and the problem is, is that we don't really know if it smells like pizza or not because when we lit it, we then proceeded <laughs> yeah. to have seven pizzas in the house. And I was very proud of everyone. We uh, we just about killed those pies. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at eyeballing it. Yeah, I can size up a room and tell. Well, it, was, it was a good amount of pizza. It was a good amount of pizza. Two two free ones, and once those came in, I revised my order in my mind of how many we needed. Yeah. Um, the issue there that you run into is I always wonder, like people. This is this is actually as a, this is a fast food. Uh, adjacent podcast mm-hmm. it's weird how people kind of shit on you if you're burger guy who just wants mayonnaise and cheese mm-hmm. or just cheese do they yeah that's kind of like a talk down to thing you of, know i don't care but like you know you hear people be like oh my kid just wants plain burger what you're like better because you like lettuce yeah oh yeah i'm sure that the fresh i that- can impress my beef eating friends by adding <laughs> extra lettuce but for some reason, that doesn't apply to pizza. Like if you order just cheese or just pepperoni or just sausage pizza, no one's like, where are the fucking mushrooms? <laughs> yeah. You child. And so you never know like if there's anybody in the room that's, that's going to be weird about that. And uh, unless it's our, the room of people we had there, in which case you don't even have to worry about it. Bunch of fucking big swinging dick meat-eating pizza eaters. It was a great group. Big Jim Jack types. Love, loved the mix. Thought thought that was an awesome time. Speaking of pizza, mm-hmm. um, we did we brought up on uh, Live Moss that Papa John's uh, Papa John is a Kentucky fan now. Yeah, shifting his allegiance from Louisville after they took his name off of a facility. Yeah, the the, the full on stadium. It was Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, and, and you, whenever Notre Dame opened their season there, it was just Cardinal Stadium. I just I don't think that. He should be excused from going right from there to a rival. Nah, he'd he'd be a cuck if he didn't. And let me tell you, he is yeah, he not a no cuck. cuck. That's an interesting way to frame it. Like he took the top back. Yeah. Now he's pounding you. Yeah. Doesn't really matter from which direction. <laughs> Got to get to that mouth. high ground. Yeah. He's he's up on all. He's up uh, with his. Papa John is has his leg up on a <laughs> getting <laughs> yeah. the proper stroke. Um. But yeah, the CFO of Domino's died snorkeling. Uh And then uh, some other (laughs) asshole who's the CEO of like uh, something called like Fuji Pizza or Fuju Pizza, uh, he also died. Now, I don't know how big of a, I think it's like a chain in, in, in the Midwest. Okay. But their CEO also died. Kentucky, certainly the South, but also a little bit the Midwest. Oh, is it? I thought I just saw one in Michigan. Uh, no, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm trying, I have no idea where the, uh, the pizza chain is. Uh, I've never heard of it. I'm just, I'm just trying to tie it back to Papa J. Right. Well, I think what it is too, is that, you know, like Hitler, uh, he'll he, go ahead. He'll go at anybody that's coming <laughs> for the throne, no matter if it makes sense. It could be beyond the reaches of what his empire needs to deal with, mm-hmm. but he's still saying, Hey, send someone to Africa. He'll provoke Russia. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Send, send someone over there. Um, we would like to take a shot at them as well. Snorkeling death, though, man. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I mean, I guess that's just like you drown because, like, you got out too far or something. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I realize that anytime you get into the ocean, like, death is a possibility. Right. But 
I've never found snorkeling to be so difficult that I really felt the danger present. No. No, there's no mention of sharks. But I've never done it with a beard, so. That came up, too. And P- PJ told us that you just got to put some wax on there. Yeah. But, uh, of course, I could go now. I'm almost clean shaven because I had to get my facial. You know what I mean? Probably uh, short enough that you could snorkel. Short enough that suction. I could uh, become the chief financial officer of a rival of Papa John's and go snorkeling and die. Yeah. <laughs> Has there, this is a little crowdsource, I don't expect you to come up with this, but Papa John, uh, you know, said that, like, uh, big things coming, guys. Can't tell you right now, but uh, got some things to reveal. The Day of Reckoning. Yeah, and it it does appear that it's just uh, him just fucking killing everyone else in the pizza game. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's John Wick. (laughs) But but that's not not clear yet. Um, Has there been a time, because we get this all the time, you know, like like Trump will regularly be like, boy, once I can tell you the truth about it, huh, right. you are going to have your socks blown off. Right. Uh, I think that McAfee does that from time to time. Has there been a time when someone did that and like they weren't just bluffing? Yeah, it is big. Just the- one time they were like, listen, not now, but soon. I'm going to tell you some shit. And then they actually do tell you some shit, and you're like, oh, okay, that was as big as you said. No, I think I think your point is valid that team, when the facts come out, has mm-hmm. hung no banners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you usually hear it. The in, Detroit Lions. <laughs> of, uh, you, you usually hear it plays. in connection to either allegations of race, uh, racism or sexual harassment, abuse, and more. Yeah. Right? It's and always a disgraced figure claiming that, that more more will be revealed. Yeah, you de- nobody nobody uh, when asked uh, what are you going to do next after they win a Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exclaims. Yeah, Tom Brady's never told you <laughs> when he's fa- got some. <laughs> although uh, Deflategate, Deflategate, I'm sure Gate, he did. Right, that's true. That is true. When the facts <laughs> once, come out, once you find out what really happened. <laughs> yeah, he. Tom Brady, definitely the most when the facts come out football player <laughs> of all. You think I'm just making out with my son? Well, wait till the facts come out. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know. Um, so I was going to give you a little brief anecdote here. We didn't really plan anything. This is my last day of having to get up for morning drive. So I'm kind of in. Uh, I don't care if you want to. I want to talk about the Cowboys. Okay. I, but I, not, not this second. I enjoyed your tweet. And I got uh, one other thing. And I thought I, we would bring that up as well. Uh, we, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I guess it was last week, on Dave on the Dave Aranda episode about when you have family members or friends of family members, maybe a boyfriend of uh, an aunt comes in, there's just a lot of talking around the holidays yeah. that doesn't need to happen. Uh-huh. You know, just that, if, the general vibe, the the ethos of family gatherings, if everybody went in just thinking, all right, the more I can shut the fuck up, the yeah. happier everyone will be. We've also talked before about embarrassed dad waiter embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Another version of dad waiter embarrassment or just of, man, I wish my family would just stop. I saw this week. And it's weird because I guess I vaguely remember hearing this, but that might only be because I'm hearing it now and sort of rewriting my own mental history. I've probably had like five people. Some of them are like being ironic, poking fun at me when I told them that I moved to Grapevine and go, oh, Christmas capital of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't really remember. Like, we didn't go to Grapevine for Christmas when I, when I was a kid. Now, uh, my, the first time I heard it was uh, Sunday or sa- yeah Saturday, whenever people were poking fun of you uh, during the broadcast. I I and really, I'd never heard of uh, Interlocking before starting listening to the ticket. But, right. But since then, I've I've assumed that that was the Christmas capital of the world. Yeah, I mean, Corby describing that scene on White Elephant Day sounds pretty Christmas capitally of the world. I imagine that having um, what's it called the Gaylord there has helped this some. Yeah, I've never been to that, but my brother did go when he was a kid. I don't think it was around when I was a kid, but they have the Christmas ice thing. Uh huh. But downtown Grapevine during Christmas is a fucking zoo. Wow, families ahoy because they've got a bunch of trinket shops and also like restaurants and some bars, but mostly restaurants for older people, and it's just. A million people walking around. Like, it literally looks like a busy, bigger city street. And there's also, like, a bunch of... There's, like, a little pop-up Christmas village. Mm. Like, where we took her to... We, we took Baby to get uh, her picture taken. So, little people? Uh, no. Oh. I don't think so. Didn't, didn't go all out, then. No. I, you know, I wonder how that industry is doing. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, because that's a weird one, right? It's kind of a we're, swerve. We're going we're gonna to be progressive by preventing these people from having good, high-paying jobs. Right. That's what I'm saying. That that yeah. that's counter too. Like we're basically we're we're worsening your lot with our uh, faux progressiveness. Yeah. But maybe the other side no of that one's sticking w- up for them like us. The other side of that would be to say, um, well, if we f- can take these jobs away from you. We can really lean on big business to have to include you in the regular sized economy. <laughs> Let me know how that's going. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, but I did not see any little any little people uh, portraying elves. You know what? I think I maybe I should we should have done this before Christmas, but I think I want to dig into the whole etymology of how. And why the Christmas story involves dwarf elves in the first place? Great question. Is it because yeah. their hands are smaller to make little toys? Uh, like because that, they, they can that handle seems like a practical reason. Smaller engineering tasks. But uh, I mean, Santa comes to us from uh, from the, the Nordic area, right? Something like that. And they're fucking huge. Yeah, but like. Uh, but also, I think Santa Claus is German. Certainly, a land of fantasy. Oh, okay. I, That's true. I assume that, that there's just fucking Whimsical. packs of dwarves roaming around. Yeah. Germany could also apply, you know, a l- l- little bit. F- those Bavarian forests, Jake, who knows <laughs> what kind of fucking elves will emerge. That's interesting. I guess I never really thought just about thought. why they dreamed that up. But no, no so. I don't think that's actually a very good As uh, I was uh, driving around the other day, uh, I can't remember. I think I was actually just trying to get out of Grapevine, but found the quickest way to be go down to Maine and bang a right. So I go down there. The light is red, and there is a family of probably five people, uh, mom, dad, either aunts, or there's there's four adults. Maybe there are four adults and two kids. Could be a polyamorous thing. It might be. It might be a big love type thing. How would Grapevine treat that? (laughs) I'm, I'm betting not well. Um, but they were all white. Oh, okay. uh, so well. the, the, the youngest member of the group appeared to be about 10 or 11 and he was, it was a boy and he was, uh, you know, he looked like a, he looked like he, he was pretty swagged out little kid, Nike kid, you know, yeah, yeah. and the light is red 
And in this particular red light situation, that the the walk signal in front of me, across from me, you know, it's time yeah. for them to walk. Uh-huh. They're not walking. Oh, the light no. is red. Yeah. The light turns green. The stop, which is a pretty goddamn universal signal. Uh-huh. Like I can see in some countries that you, if you were to tell me like, well, they don't use red, green, and yellow because that's not really intuitive. Like, Although it is fairly stunning. I've never been anywhere that doesn't use red, green, and yellow, but, it, but go ahead. But still, same thing with the dwarves. Yeah. I don't really know how that came about. It makes sense to us because we, we associate red with I'm negative and stop. I'm going to bet the British. Uh, probably. That's a safe bet on just about anything. Yeah. So the light turns green. The stop walk sign comes up. Family just fucking says, oh, now it's time. <laughs> it's my green. And looking like the goddamn <laughs> Beatles, one by one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. They just slowly walk across, and the lights don't run super long down there because there is a lot of pedestrian traffic. Uh huh. And so I literally start laughing, and like I have my hands up, but I'm not going to say anything and confront this family, but I'm like, what the fuck? Boy, it, it, it depends on the day. It depends on where my blood sugar is. That's, I know. Today, today you might have time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I gave a very, uh, uh, magician episode of uh, of I think you should leave. Where I'm sitting in my car. What the fuck? I yeah. made ten times as much as like yeah. I'm just sardonically <laughs> laughing. And the kid, swaggy kid, is the last person in line. No way. Uh, and so as they're walking across, he looks over at me and he goes, ah, and he's shrug- like, he's the only <laughs> the fucking year old one. Gets yes. it, but the, the t- fucking 40 year olds <laughs> are like, these are how lights work. The 10 year old looks over. This looks, is my green. He looks at me. He sees me laughing palms up and he kind of shrugs and he gives palms up and looks over at me and I start laughing harder. Yeah. At which point he runs to catch up with the rest of his group as, as they cross. Yeah. Now I can turn and I can tell he's delivering the news to them. That man was laughing at us. Yeah. And yeah. I just remember how many times I did that as a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like so many times, dude. Hey, uh, you, was, the guys who are supposed to be aware. Um, yeah. These people, are, these people are laughing don't at, know if you at our fucking lemming status <laughs> among the world here. Yeah. Like, I just remember there were so many times that we either cut in front of another family or did something like walk somewhere we weren't supposed to walk or walked into an exit. Yeah. And I'm like, it says exit. Like how the fuck? How fucking hard is this? Yeah. And the embarrassment you feel, and you didn't, never really knew if they just don't know or if they just don't care, because it seemed like your family was constantly just Mister Bean, like yeah. tourist style, like do 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 do. And I just I vibed so hard with that kid in that moment. I was having flashbacks. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I I had not thought about that feeling in quite some time, but uh, the, upon you mentioning it, I certainly do recall it. And I think it does happen the most at restaurants. You know, yeah. Like a big one for me was whenever. Oh, we, I have no doubt. Like to this day, I I feel like I uh, handle wait staff considerably better than not considerably, but but as far as who's the top ranked in the family, it, you're like, less onerous. Yeah, just uh, taking it easy on them, being understanding, understand, just knowing how all this works. Yeah. Like, you put your name down on a list, right? Maybe four, maybe six of us. Mm-hmm. We wait 15 minutes. They take us to the table that they have set for us. Yeah, and it, We look that over and say... You don't get a better table if you uh, if you ask a couple times about where you are on the list. Do you guys have anything better? <laughs> like, no. They would have taken us there. <laughs> they would have taken us to the better first available mm, option. I was, I was imagining a booth. I was looking for a booth. <laughs> always, 
always looking for a booth. Uh, Megan clowns on him for it constantly, but uh, I will give props to my dad for being the only one who uh, properly recognizes waiter lingo, and anytime he's missing the silverware, he'll say, uh, we need a couple setups over here. Give me, give me a couple setups. Because <laughs> I, I I called it a setup whenever yeah. I was, uh, you know, uh, slanging setups at the Black Eyed Pea. That is the, the uh, code switch equivalent of saying hola and amigo yeah, to, yeah. to a person who looks faintly in, uh, Latino. Much much the same way that uh, <laughs> Mike will get in trouble for saying to uh, 86 any and all tomatoes on this dish. Yep. Uh, like, it's not how most people say it, but there's 100% understanding in waiters. Yep. Everyone understands 86. Like, I, I don't know why it's 86. And like the first, the first time they were like, you know, fucking 86 the catfish, someone had to explain it to me, but like... Then I got it. Yeah. It also sounds cool as shit. Oh, absolutely. Isn't there like a whole like alpha, beta, Charlie, delta, epsilon ring up for numbers in the food game? Yeah. Like, like for there's a the, number for tomato? Well, like, uh, I mean, yeah, definitely like a, a, a Tom Thumb or whatever. Is that no, what you're no, talking about? I, I just remember like what else is there besides 86? Like that seems like part of a larger... Well, I mean, we had like a the the first couple of days were like spent memorizing the the code for the the in the POS input system, like like whenever someone's ordering the Southwest chicken, you know, like that it's SWC, and like that one's an easy one. Some of them are more complicated. Yeah, I guess I just figured there had to be some sort Southwest of Southwest uh, casserole was SWC. I guess I'm seeing here that 86 might actually be like the only one. I just assumed there was some sort of like a whole thing of okay, well, what does add mean? Hey. 34 the bacon <laughs> 34 the bacon no i don't know I, yeah, we, we didn't have any numbers other than 86 i guess i've never really considered that but it was like learning a foreign language a very small very limited foreign language whenever trying to figure out the the input system i always want to lie about my produce L- what, what does that mean whenever you do like a self-checkout you know yeah what i mean I, I do I do not feel an impulse to lie about my produce, but sure. You know, it's just one of those little morphing into your dad game the system thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I would go so... <laughs> to be clear, not everyone's dad. <laughs> That's true. Not uh, all dads. Not, not hashtag. Like, I don't know that I would be so brave as to when I get my large Haas or Haas, is it Haas, avocados? That sounds right. Uh, I don't know that I would be so brave as to say that I actually got uh, a cheaper fruit like an orange, uh-huh. but I might tell him I got the smaller avocado. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could just like not mention that you got any produce. Yeah, but when it comes by, I want there to be uh, like I want it to say avocado on there. Yeah, and I see avocados. Like oh, nobody's gonna investigate. Yeah, that, that, like, that's that looks a, a little hefty there. Chief. Quite plausible di- deniability, being like, "Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know about avocados. I, th- I thought those this, this avocado." Yeah, I mean, I can fit this thing in my hand. It looks small to me. Where are the watermelon size ones? That's what I was thinking for for <laughs> yeah. large avocado. This isn't fucking large. It's a baseball size. That, that'd be heaven. Oh man, a watermelon avocado. That's a that's a an item that I did not appreciate until I was probably early twenties. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's not it's, a guacamole guy as, as a as a teen. No, I mean I, I I had terrible taste as a, you know. It was once I got to excel. Uh, like there was not, you know, as before that. If if I had like tried something whenever I was four and decided I didn't like it, and uh, no one was really, you know, dem- I mean, my mother's picky as fucking eater I've ever met. So it's not like she could look down on me fucking and be like, walk, "That's an ace in the hole right there." <laughs> yeah, my man. Um, and she will not admit it, but uh, but but it is true. Uh, and 
so whenever I got to Excel, and I'd be like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm not really an avocado guy. <laughs> They'd be like, ah, fucking great. Well, you're not getting anything else. So. Yeah, and they like they could put a little oomph behind it. Yeah, unlike your parents who were like, "God damn it, we'll just cave." At Excel, they're like, "You could just die. We, we <laughs> yeah. have limited liability here. Yeah. We pay the insurance bills. Uh, well, it's, it's all right." Um, yeah, so and I've always wondered what a fucking bitch it must be to insure that place. But uh, but yeah, the, the the they they made me try all sorts of different things, and I was like, you know what, some of this is great. Yeah, my line always was, my mom was not picky at all, but she had one food item that she would not eat, which was Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. which certainly had the, if there was a food that had the come up of the decade of the 2010s, it's, <sighs> it's got to be Brussels sprouts. In fact, we had them last night. Don't agree. But pub, but as far as the wider public goes. No, no, no. I'm saying you're absolutely right that the uh, the opinion has has shifted on Brussels sprouts. That That's a 100% correct take. I'm saying the opinion is wrong yeah the only reason i like them is they still taste bad you know we did it like you know you just throw some some seasoning on there and you brought you uh, either bake them or broil them and you put like balsamic on it i like a meatier vegetable like i like asparagus i like the brussels sprout i like the you know like uh butternut squash i don't like fucking lettuce right i don't like that wispy crispy bullshit and my mom used to say you know i'm not picky i'll eat anything but brussels sprouts like brussels sprouts are disgusting uh, you know, they make me want to gag. And I'd be like, you're almost there, you see? Because yeah. how you feel about that, I just happen to feel that way about all this shit. Yeah. So you're, you're, you acknowledging, understand. you're acknowledging that that proclivity exists. I just have it in a much wider scale. How is that so hard to understand? It, there is no rule that God doles out one food aversion per person. Yeah. There's no salary cap. Yeah. Like, I mean, this, should, this should be simple. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. Well, what else? What else do you have before we get to Cowboys? And then I want to hit you with the last thing after Cowboys, so we can end with some mirth. So we used to, uh, in the early days of this uh, podcast, occasionally uh, bring new music to each other. Okay. And I believe we have occasion to do so right here. And you may have already heard this, but if you not, if you haven't, I feel pretty confident it's going to blow your mind. And uh, this is a song I've been playing on repeat for a couple weeks now, and I just would like for you to take a listen. Have you heard this? I don't think so, but it sounds so much like every other song like this at the start. It sounds vaguely familiar. When everybody's looking down on me. Do you recognize the voice? I don't, but I know that it's... I know that I recognize it. I can't place it. on me too. Watching me hug my husky. Making sure that they still love me. This is fucking riffraff. Indeed it is. Fuck yeah. Everybody's walking around with their hand out. Cause I'm the man now. I hope God's looking down on me too. I didn't ask for this. I begged for it. This is his lane, dude. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> this is good. Uh, and like he, uh, you know, for the last year plus, uh, has been has been going with the Dale D'Antoni character quite a bit. Love the Dale where, D'Antoni. Where he just talks about trucks a lot and his mullet. The He's only had a mullet. The only thing better than Dale D'Antoni is uh, uh, Chuck. 
Chuck Borden. Chuck Borden. 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 Oh, look at the man. <laughs> Chuck Borden. More sports. And sports. Um, so, yeah. That's so, good. So, he, he made it. And, and Is it a whole album? Uh, no, it's just this one song. But I, I feel like an album's probably coming. Fuck yeah. And uh, it's got like the, really, as he's gone along in rapping, like his early stuff was just so aggressively unfamiliar with the like regular structure of like a rap song that I liked it. Yeah, I was gonna say that was kind of the appeal to to me. Yes, and I and I, I like all of his music. He's he's made uh, things in the last couple of years that I liked quite a bit. Uh, Butterscotch Babe Ruth, I would put as my top uh, rip rap, riff raff uh, rap song of the last couple of years. I might have to pull up the um, Apple Music here. So that I can... is a, a diss track, uh, unparalleled. And it's it's not about anyone in specific. It's just like clowning on a the haters hypothetical other person. But uh, he he paints a picture where um, you tried out you you play you could only get a D three scholarship to for basketball. Tried out for the D league, couldn't get it, uh, and then you had to move back to your hometown. Um, you'd only been gone for three days on this tryout, but during that time. Your, uh, your your sweetheart had left you and uh, got gotten engaged to uh, Dave, who works at Dave and Buster's, <laughs> until he got fired for cursing at customers. <laughs> like he just paints that whole picture oh, over God. the course what of one verse. What album is that on? Um, I'll find it. But yeah, I feel give me like two I seconds. Hear, I need it's to the hear last this song the I was home. playing on my. Uh, Dude, I like the first song. Cranberry on- Vampire. Oh yeah, I like the first song. I like introducing the icon. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's uh that's great. And Damn. the the whole the, the you need to focus on the lyrics in these songs. A lot <laughs> is writing on this album. Yeah, it's very very uh uh what was Paul? Yeah, Paul Rosenberg. Yeah, that's um, great. But uh, but this Husky has like the same kind of thing of like where he's he's not like making any like the lyrics make sense, but like he. He's not trying very hard for them to make sense. If that, if that uh, comes through, but like the, he's like, I didn't ask for this. Like based on how he says that, like, cause it, some of it's like uh, complaining about like uh, people giving him too much attention or whatever. Yeah. So, so it, it feels like he start like that he was just kind of like doing it off the top of his head, and he's like, "I didn't ask for this because like didn't ask for all the people bugging me." But then he's like, "He's like, actually, I worked harder than everyone else. So I didn't ask for the, all the attention, but I did work very hard for the attention." Right. I feel like that's all he had, really. Yeah. It was just the, yep. the line of... Uh, Everybody's looking up at me. Looking down on me. I hope God's me. looking down on me, too. Which is fucking brilliant. <clears throat> like, it's a country line. Well, I have some news for you. What's up? Uh, I know that both of our evenings are spoken for. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, I'm I'm aware. Yeah, go ahead. Riff Raff's in Fort Worth tonight, this very evening for New Year's Eve. Yeah, and he is like in the most riff raffy part of Fort Worth ever, which means he's about. 
two streets away from Haltom High School. <laughs> yeah. He's at Western Center in 35, right in between the uh, Twin Peaks and the Flips patio grill <laughs> i just wish he was at flips at a place called uh fever club which i had never heard of but god damn it man i blew it yeah no uh, it's a good thing that my I'm wife won't hear that, uh, this podcast until it's after new year's eve because there's a decent chance i make a late play for this <laughs> <laughs> no if, if i if i like look up around midnight and uh the the, the rides i've given because i'm definitely uber driving tonight uh just have me near the fever club yeah i'll probably poke it, my man. head in Fuck! How did I not know ahead of time? Yeah, I know. I, I, I like. I found out an hour before this this podcast, or Fuck. less than that. Just because it had the caption, "Is there a jewelry store in Dallas?" <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've now seen Uncut Gems twice, and so now I've seen it all twice. the way through. Uh, you, you fucking have to. I will. It is. I don't know. It's in not fact, like the, uh, best the fact I haven't seen it so far is uh, not my fault. It's I a, didn't bail on me last night. I might be able to Invictus you, but that might not be the experience you want. No, I want to go to the theater. It's not. The Megan and I have a uh, thing now. We've, we've done this twice where um, she'll throw out a claim always related to sports that I find to be utterly preposterous. Like Justin and, Fields is going to win the Heisman? Yeah, yeah. And and she'll be like, no, no, I mean it. And I'll be like, oh, you mean it? What do you What do you want to put on it? And uh, she will offer uh, a, a, a movie night for me while she watches a kid. And if I lose, it's the other way around. So with the Giants down 10 with 14 minutes to go, uh, she was watching with Josh and Nikki. She and Nikki are like, and I'm like, ah, it's over. And they're like, no, it's not over. I think the Giants are going to win. I'm like, the four-win team that's down 10 with 14 minutes to go? In the rain. What would you like to put on it? Fucking was cowboy that. homers is what that is. And then, uh, then the other one was that she doesn't believe Garrett's going to be fired. Oh wow! So you got you're going to get a. So I got two uh, movies in the say, bank. Don't even worry about it. Double header. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I forgot what I was about to tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it doesn't matter. Oh, on uncut gems. Uncut gems. Yeah. It's not like the best movie I've ever seen. Okay. But it might be the most unique movie I've ever seen. This side of like you know spring breakers or just something all the way avant-garde like that it's not it's not an avant-garde movie it's just a movie that there's really no part where you're like well there was a break yeah <laughs> like it's literally just a fucking two and a half hour my heart rate is too high and there is no point where it's i want to see that there's, there's no point where they're like oh geez they're just talking here in a non-stressful situation providing a little levity yeah. Like it's I remember one time uh I think it was with Bad Radio when uh or maybe this was even maybe Wade said this about what made him stressed out about watching The Shield. Mm -hmm. And he was like, "Man, the thing about this is that watching Vic constantly feels like you left weed at home on the table at your parents' house." Yeah. <laughs> like and you're too far away. And you're yeah. just like, "Fuck, I don't know. I think I did. I don't know that I did, but I think I did." Yeah. And you're just Bugging the fuck out. That is how I would describe watching that movie. Okay. Not all the bogeys are real, but they're all real enough to where you have to worry about them. Yeah. So, yeah. That sounds delightful. Go see it. I will. All right. So, let me tell you. Let, let's go through your cowboy coach theory and uh, all the fucking pew, 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 poke holes in it. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, I just... 
what are, now that the Cowboys have a a, a new coach coming? Uh, as we record this, there's been nothing announced, but the I, meeting is 45 minutes from where we sit right now. We uh, we agree he's not coming back, right? Yeah. Okay. Although in the weird way things work, the fact that they're having the second meeting and it's another day might have increased my thought that he'd come back from one percent to two percent. Sure, but I, I would agree with that. Yeah, but I, but I would still put it at two percent. Um, so. You know, now now we're around time to uh, speculate about what what who who should be the next Cowboys coach, and we got people thrown out like the uh, the regular kind of list of places that you pull NFL coaches from, uh, yeah. which is successful coordinators and successful college coaches, and I think that that is inherently a uh, pretty high risk list. Like, I, you know, in, in both, you have not seen them do the thing that you're expecting them to do yet. And I, I think, like, with coaching in general, like, all, all the big-name college programs, um, like, the thing that Oklahoma has done with great success twice of uh, take a coordinator and make him a head coach, uh, like, Stoops was, what, Florida's defensive co- uh, coordinator, right? Was it Florida right before? He's not, He was never a head coach no, yeah, anywhere yeah. other than Oklahoma. Okay. Um, and then Lincoln Riley was never a head coach uh, until he was the head coach of Oklahoma. That is extremely fucking rare. And, like, obviously, right. ev- every coach eventually ends up, like, every coach is a coordinator and then a head coach. But, like, most of the time, if you have the ability to call your shots, like, you don't want to take chances on stuff like that. Like, let them be coordinator to head coach somewhere else, then go hire them once they've, like, won a couple fucking BCS games, yeah. you know, or <clears throat> New Year's Six uh, that's that's the successful strategy. By those the way, New those Year's, are the, the true premium candidates. As an aside, New Year's Six to me sounds like, uh, and it's just obviously because of the other one, New Year's Six sounds to me like uh, a, a wrongfully convicted yeah. <laughs> a trio Central of, Park Five, of the New Year's Six. Yeah, it's how, every time I hear it, I'm like, wow, what crime did they commit? Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It just sounds funny to me. Yeah. Um, but you're definitely right about that. Yeah, and I, I think that the uh, the corollary for the NFL is that uh, the the successful surefire choices are guys whose teams are in the playoffs right now, and I understand Who are head coaches or coordinators that are head coaches. Okay, uh, head coaches, head coaches, and I I understand that like uh, this does not happen a lot, um, and that there are things in place to like kind of try and uh, uh, deter it, but. My main point, like the the overall thing that's tying all of this together, is that uh, the Cowboys should not have to pay attention to the salary scale of NFL coaches. They've got a lot more money than everyone else, and if you offered Bill Belichick a billion dollars a year to coach the Cowboys, he's going to take it. Now, I don't think a billion would actually be a financially sound decision. You'd have to give up picks, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, okay. I'm sure you got to work out whatever. And, right. and you know, I had, I had a guy yesterday who was like, uh, they can't even talk to them if under contract. But yeah, dummy, you talk to the agent. Right. Like, this happens all the fucking time. Right. Like, uh, you know, Herm Edwards moved from the Jets to the Chiefs whenever he was under contract. Belichick, I don't know if he had signed. I think that he had signed with the Jets, yeah. uh, then got hired away by the Patriots. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was, I think that might have been a trade, too. I'm pretty sure they, even yeah. though it had only recently been signed, the most famous one is obviously Gruden. Yeah, Gruden. Uh, did Shanahan just get fired when he went to the Broncos, or was there something like that too? Don't recall. Okay. Um, but yeah, so th- there's there's precedence for this, and 
<clears throat> I just think that the Cowboys have enough money that they should be going down the list of guys whose teams are currently in the playoffs and just offering them, you know, say like, fuck, I'll double your salary. You know, like if a guy's making $7 million a year, which is, you know, lots of good NFL coaches are, and they say, how about 14? They can easily pay 14. Um, I would say that while a billion is ridiculous, you could go into the 20 to 30 range and it would still be a rounding error on their bottom line. Absolutely. The the thing that I threw out on Twitter was just, you can look up, and I've, I've done this before, just I, I think it's interesting, uh, to go see what, what exactly they pull in from alcohol sales at the stadium. And it's $24 million last year. Right. Uh, and it's, uh, I, I wasn't just, I was interested in like, what's the average margin on alcohol sold, <laughs> like in a bar, and it's like 80%. Yeah. And uh, think about what regular prices for a beer in a bar are, and think about regular prices for what you pay at the stadium are. I'm going to bet that it's higher than 80% for them. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, they're just, uh, they're, they're making it, that's, they get that, that's what they get from that. Um, they also have, you know, like just all the income from the star. You know, yeah. think about that. And I mean, like, you know, then just they, they just get more than everyone else of like the regular stuff, too. I mean, the TV deal is uh, everyone's split up evenly, I think. Yeah. Do they get any bonuses for appearing in primetime more? I don't think so. OK. Um, but that even without that. But like, you know, they, they, they have a larger stadium than most of the people. They charge more for uh, for tickets. I think that they have their parking situation on lock more so than most NFL, other NFL franchises. They certainly sell more merchandise. And the biggest thing that I would point to, and this is not like, like everything I've said so far, I would call like definitely Cowboys related revenue. And this is kind of wandering out into just like assets. And there's definitely NFL owners that have as much assets as, you know, like Stan Kroenke's a fucking very rich guy. So he also, if he wanted to like just dig into his personal pocket, like uh, could, could, could pay a lot for a coach. Um, but uh, I don't know. I still consider it somewhat related that the the legends hospitality that yeah. they have, which is technically what all the alcohol sales, like whatever you're looking up on the TABC, like the alcohol sales for the stadium and saying legends hospitality made this Leg- like that's a, a bit of a shakedown that Jerry does every time like uh, the, you know, in the way that like whenever you're trying to build a casino uh, in Las Vegas in like the 70s, that you would go to the uh, the mob to get the the Teamsters vote. Like the most of those casinos, the easy way to get this is covered in the Irishman and uh, much more so in a casino. Um, that uh, the banks were like not huge on lending money to casinos at that time. So if you wanted the uh, the loans, one of the great places to get it was the uh, the pension funds for the Teamsters, and that there was enough mob connection there that uh, they would like that the Teamsters would you know ask like uh, for a thumbs up, thumbs down from the mob, and you weren't going to get approved for the Teamsters pension fund without it. Uh, that's what Jerry does with Legends, the uh, the Las Vegas Stadium, mm-hmm. the new L.A. Stadium. Both teams that really wanted some votes so they could get a move and uh, thought like, I mean, especially whenever um, all three franchises, the Chargers, Rams and Raiders were vying for uh, who was going to be the one to uh, to get the big OK to move to L.A. And wasn't there another one involved that was like kind of mentioned? Because I, I remember feeling like there was momentum for a team besides the Rams, and then like Jerry came in, and like it was very publicly just Jerry being like, you know what? Uh, I remember the Rams playing in L.A., and I think it'd be cool to do it again, so I'm going to fucking move the entire league so that that happens. Those are the only three I remember, but I do 
<clears throat> I remember all of this playing out exactly as you're describing it. And a lot of Peter King on this one. The, uh, the thing that's going on behind the scenes, the shakedown operation that he is running is that all of those, uh, things, all those new stadiums use legends mm -hmm. that, that he is being paid as their concessionaire for, uh, for all these things. And, uh, I believe whatever the new Raiders stadium opens legends by itself is going to be worth more than some NFL franchises. Yep. Like I that, remember hearing that. that company has a higher valuation than like the fucking Broncos or whatever. Right. It's one of those, uh, the military budget of the U.S. is more than the GDP of yeah half the world's countries or whatever. Yeah, so we're talking about a guy with that money, like in, and I, I believe that they also have some kind of thing where like every single youth football organization in America is like somehow owned by the Cowboys now. Somehow this is less shakedown related, but they also somehow got the Yankees. Yeah, I think the Legends is like a joint venture between them and the Yankees. Okay, it's a Steinbrenner Jones. Yeah, joint. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, you know, Jerry stake at it is considerable and, uh, I don't know, just the, 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 the man does an extremely fucking exceptional job of finding new ways to squeeze money out of football in a way that is absolutely unprecedented. Like there, there's no other owner that's like doing similar. I mean, the crafts do pretty fucking good, but I don't know, the, the, like just good enough to like get to, you know, like second place and within shouting distance of the Cowboys, like no one else matches him on the level. And the one place where you can actually apply this, like the salary cap makes it so that he cannot run this like a fucking FC Barcelona or something. But the one place where you can is with the coaching staff. Like he, he should, he should make fucking, he should make a run at whatever those top guys are for the, uh, the head coaches, the coordinators should be paid like $5 million a year and find someone who's worth $5 million a year to be a coordinator. Like, you know, that they, they could absolutely have, and I mean, coaching r really, really matters, you know, <laughs> like we, well, in, in football, yeah, I mean, there's sports yeah. where it might not, and this might not make as much sense also. And I don't have any proof of this. I've just heard it speculated about. And uh, I know that it, it comes up in some, uh, you know, city planning type circles. If you've never known anybody that worked for like a council of governments or for transportation companies, there's a lot of people that would tell you that the reason that there's no mass transit in Arlington is because of Jerry. Yeah. And because he likes that he gets a lot of parking money. All of it. Yeah. I mean, you literally can't get there any other way. <laughs> yeah. And the, the parking prices are, I mean, I, I, I would assume that most people know this, but they're very high. Yeah. It's as much as what you would expect to, to pay to get into a game. Yeah. Like um, a regular NFL game elsewhere, probably, yeah, the, the starting price is around what the, the parking is for Cowboys. So that's one thing. Um, but a couple other things. One, uh, it's, uh, it's odd to me. It's not odd to me, really, but it, we'll get to why it's not. But on the face of it, it's odd that he doesn't realize that the only success that his organization has ever had with him in charge was whenever there was no salary cap and he could flagrantly throw his money around yeah. to uh, to acquire top-flight talent. And since then, uh, they've been fine but not good in the time period where they had to actually play within the constraints that everybody else is. And it would seem to me that if you were uh, super savvy – you would have identified the one area where you can continue to do what you did when you were successful and it's and then related hit the fucking pedal to the floor. Like, like the, the way that you win and build dynasties in the salary cap era is by having like those executives and coaches who yeah. understand how to manipulate it and how to play it correctly. And so you, and you can still pay as much for those guys as you want from a technical standpoint. Uh, I, I, I woefully 
uneducated on like the salary cap increased the importance of a coach that's what i'm saying and general manager yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm i'm woefully uh uninformed on how coaches contracts work like when people say like oh they requested permission i mean i know the agents are at work but let's say that you wanted to uh hire another coordinator to just be your coordinator but he's got another year on his contract like do you have to trade for all of them like, how does that all work? I mean, I'm sure some of them are just going to be free and they look at you and think, okay, maybe, maybe let's say there's an offensive coordinator that's free and he's being interviewed for head coaching jobs. In this case, picks are not on the table. They're being interviewed for head coaching jobs and you step in and say, I'll pay you three times what they're going to make. You're going to make to be a head coach there to be an offensive coordinator for me. It's going to need to be an actual promotion. But I mean, you can like if they're not currently not an sure. associate head coach. I'm not sure. Like if a guy, if a guy's an offensive coordinator in another, and you think he's a really good offensive coordinator, you offer to triple his salary. Make but it, they might just let you make it quintuple. Like if a guy's making contract. a million and a half a year, and you say I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you eight and a half million dollars a year for three years of being my coordinator, you're bro, you're young. You're gonna have a head coach job after that, and uh, the money you make here in these three years will be more than you ever make doing that. Yeah. Uh, so just take a flyer on us here. Those are quick, easy transactions. I, I mean, you could also uh, like work out a buyout with the team. You know, I, I don't know exactly how that works. That's what I'm it, saying. Is it seems like that that if you you know just got behind closed doors, we're like, hey, we really want him, and we we're gonna pay him a lot, but we're also gonna pay you. Like that, they might look at it like, well, we can just pick another OC anywhere and yeah. then also have like this extra money. But the larger problem is, um, and this is where we delve back into uh, 1999 sports talk radio is yeah. your point is always kind of like, okay, don't believe them whenever they say that they're concerned about winning over profit. Uh, and I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think that they're not concerned about winning over hubris. And that's what it all comes down to, right? Is I mean, if I were a billionaire and I loved my team, um, you know what? That's why I think you know Cuban wants to be involved, but he actually gets he doesn't maybe doesn't get enough credit for being a guy who is a super fan who bought a team who really wanted to see that team win, and he wants to be around, but he also understands that he's not going like no billionaire is going to be like completely shut the fuck up and let everybody else do this, so I get no credit for it. They want some. Um, but they still need a guy. And that's the thing with Jerry is that obviously it's 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 not necessarily profit. He's he's concerned with profit, but it's not profit overwinning. It's ego, hubris, chutzpah overwinning. That's what it comes down to. And that's sad, but that nah, is what... I, I really think it's both. And and I, I think it's but the, a, but the, a bit a of a... Drop in the bucket of money though, dude. Like what's $30 million to Jerry relative to 10 for a coaching staff? It's nothing. I mean, I agree. That that's that's an attitude I would have. I would say it's pretty clear to me. It's not the attitude that he has. He chases every last dollar and like every other avenue of his life. Like the the reason why I'm a, I'm able to make this point of like, look how much money he's got. You should be able to afford a good coach is because he approaches it this way. Like it. it if if you just said like I got ten million in the bank like uh how do I, how about I just enjoy it then you wouldn't like form Legends Hospitality you wouldn't like you try would to take MySpace over Tom. yeah yeah you wouldn't try to take over youth football in America you know like that's in in every other like aspect he's he's telling you like hey it's uh you know really important to me to to, to have as much money as absolutely possible and then in this one you're like well you know maybe it's not a money thing uh, I guess I just figured that in a lot of those cases. Uh, you know, there's tangible results for him there, and in this one, I mean, I think there would be, but I mean, J Jason Garrett's got to be one of the higher paid. 
He's got to be like top 10. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, I'm looking at this right but now. I don't, I don't think know if he's this worth is, it. No, no. I don't know if this is real or not. Um, but Belichick, I'm saying they should reset the market every single time they go and get another coach. Yeah. I mean, not that all, they should have a guy in the top five. We all know that Gruden just got a uh, uh, hundred over 10. Yeah. No, and I think Payton's is an average of a 13. I'm seeing Belichick here at 12 and a half and Pete Carroll at 11. So yeah, that, that doesn't, it, you're right. They would, they should be able to walk up to any of those dudes and be like, I'll pay you. So maybe say twenty, guess, you know. Yeah, that, I guess that is like that is somewhat profit, but and I don't, you know, I do think a bigger deal is. I think that some of those guys, you know, like Peyton just signed that large thirteen million dollar thing, and if he says like that, that's too hot for me. I'm not the kind of guy that uh, that leaves on something like that. Then uh, you know that that's fine. That makes sense. But I'm saying if you go to like to all five. of the guys that you consider one of them, yeah, you know, if like four or five of them's like, yeah, I don't know, uh, and then one of them's like, yeah, I'd do that. Then <laughs> that's all you need. But don't you? Th- but I do think that it's at least equally, and maybe in my mind, a little bit bigger deal that, dude, he wants to sit in those meetings. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and and people bring that up too of like you know who who's going to want to play here whenever Jerry's not giving him full control, and uh, that's a fine point. But like what what I'm doing here is uh, showing that that yeah yeah like I I think it's always important to like point out what an ideal situation is, like what the correct way of handling something is. Um, Rather than just having resignation. Yeah, yeah. Like you should, you know, like we're, we're, we're just having hypothetical sports discussions, you know, like, like what, what's the way you should do this? And, you know, in that, I'm certainly not like resigned to the idea that he just can't fucking stay away. And I, I would be interested, like, you know, obviously, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick or uh, Bill Parcells did not get along because of dynamics like this. And Belichick like just felt differently. And like uh, the education of a coach, what I consider to be, I've not read every single Bill Belichick book, but it's hard for me to imagine one being better. That's an excellent fucking book. Um, You know, just kind of, it, it sort of hints at the idea that Belichick and Kraft just like have personalities that work better than Parcells and Kraft did. Like that, that I, I don't know that Kraft changed his style dramatically from that. I think it's more just like Bill Belichick kind of saw it as like this guy's interested and engaged and like that's kind of cool and he's a nice guy and he, he wants to give you everything you need to win. And Parcells was like, you know, fuck off, don't talk to me. Right. Um, so I, I think that it's possible to find someone who's got Belichick's approach to this because like, you know, we, we saw an all or nothing and if you wanted to tell me that every time that Jerry told Jason he was fucking dumb and don't do this, they didn't include it in All or Nothing, I could believe that. But if we're going to take All or Nothing as an accurate representation of uh, what's going on, Jerry's absolutely in every meeting, but like it also just kind of seems like he's just he just wants to hear it and like he's just sitting there and kind of like taking the pulse. You know, I, I Jerry was not like driving those meetings. He was not like talking over coaches, you know? He wasn't, but he did Kind of just his presence is there, his son is there, and he was like the main point man on everything Zeke related. That's really the most he spoke in yeah. any of those all or nothing scenarios. He wasn't talking about football. Yeah, and but he never I, got I, in I there and was like, oh, I need running to see point on that because he probably has more pull in the league than anyone else in the room. Yeah, didn't work out, but you're probably right. Um, so do you want to make a quick predict on who their coach is going to be? Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. Someone who sucks, probably. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think I'm leaning towards, like, Gary Kubiak. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, I, because of all the things that he said, if if I had like a, a lean was like like he did point out a lot of times that college coaches he didn't want to fire uh Garrett because guys tend to be better once they've done it for a little while. The learning curve. And he didn't want like Garrett's second stop to be where he put it together. He wanted him to put it together here. And so, yeah, I I think that that is generally true. Like that, that's what I'm getting at whenever I say like, I don't want to hire a fucking coordinator. Gary Kubiak's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And so him or like Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Or something like that. That, that seems possible. And that wouldn't really inspire me. I would have thought Ron Rivera would have been high on their list. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I I guess, I guess like both of those are guys who were Super Bowl winners as head coaches. They're slight upgrades over how I would feel about Jason Garrett. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I would be interested to see. Like, I, I would. My initial reaction to Mike McCarthy would be like, "That's pretty fucking boring." But I'd be interested to see how it goes. Like, to see if if maybe he had more hand of his in their success than people give him credit for. He has. He's he's clock mismanagement guy though, right? Like he gets a lot of shit for that. He's not a perfect head coach. Yeah, like, a, but I mean, dude, any, everybody I, my, that my about feeling Andy is forever. that, that uh, Rogers dragged him along and like made his career. But but I'm not sure of it. You yeah. know, I, I could be wrong about that. It could be that he's really good at putting together consistent playoff teams. And uh, if that's the case, it'd be cool to have him around. Yeah, at this point, man, I would rather go for. Uh, well, I mean, I was gonna say sizzle over substance, just because I'm bored. Yeah. Um, but I think. It would more be, uh, you know, it's not like any of the guys we just named are, for their lack of sizzle or not, boy, I'm really sold on their substance. Those guys have their own, you know, failings. Whether it's Rivera, McCarthy, Kubiak, they're like uh, 10% or 20% more substantive than Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley. But those guys are like, 70 percent more sizzly yeah <laughs> so it's like if i were to if i'm making an index here a little a little score um i would i think i would be willing to try that but i don't i don't has know. jerry said something about college coaches yeah he's made a couple comments about you know uh surprise uh a guy who thinks that it's a good idea to draft a running back fourth overall and uh pay every single one of his linemen top of the market and also pay his running back top of the market like you did Back in the days when Steve Spurrier failed with the Redskins, apparently seems to think that all college coaches are still just complete non-starters for NFL teams, and so he's not interested. Yeah, I I, I feel like college coaches are usually a pretty big gamble. I, I don't love it. Yeah, but I do think with the way obviously with offenses are changing, it's a little less dicey. Like Bill O'Brien was a college, but I guess he'd been in the NFL for a long time. Before yeah, that. yeah. Matt Rule was what, and I, one. And I don't year. know that, that Bill O'Brien's like the template, you know? Like he's not bad, but. I would throw him into the same group of guys we just listed off. Like McCarthy, McCarthy and Kubiak? Or, yeah, yeah, and Rivera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, you know, the guys I want, you know, like John Harbaugh, yeah. Pete Carroll. I don't want Pete Carroll. No, nah, Pete Carroll's probably. You know what? He's I, fucking 75. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Um, I uh, looking great, by the way. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's what nine eleven deny will get you. Sixty eight sharp. Yep. Um, now, someone asked me this, and I I took the time to uh, make the list then instead of just like uh, going off the top of my head like I am now. Let me see if I can find it. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, it's not going to be any surprise. It's just the the guys that uh, get their team to the uh, the playoffs every year. Yeah, I mean, you could even if you even wanted to gamble on a, on a younger coach that was maybe at the end of their time, but you thought you were really into, you know, Shanny, somebody like that. Maybe yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan would be an interesting choice. Uh, okay, so here's my last. And thing I mean, for I think you. that McVeigh, you know, a little bit less like that. That was whenever I was banging this drum last year. It was McVeigh because he's like I. Dude, McVeigh is still really good. I agree. I agree. It's this, just not as clear cut. There's you got to admit, there's more doubt in your mind there about is. his quality than there was last year. There is, but dude, that guy's gonna have a three decade long head coach, and that's career. why I would go for him. Right? Is like if you want a new fucking Tom Landry, right. That's just gonna get you the playoffs every year for multiple fucking decades. Yeah, I, that's I, the best bet. Yeah. Okay. So Vic Vangio and Bill Belichick set him back, you know, by showing the league maybe somewhat of a template of what to do with them. Uh, and but like, it's not and like still, they just they're in the playoffs. Score again. Like they, they <laughs> yeah. got, they, they eventually figured it out as right. the season went along. Right. I mean, not in that Cowboys game, but, uh, but they, oh, they, yeah. they started being fucking feisty, uh, in the second half of the year. And yeah, and that's, I would just love him because of the age and because, because I know that they, you know, like just like fucking clockwork every five years, you'd get a giant extension and they were just like they the one of the things they've done with Garrett is just kind of thinking that the uh, the Steelers model is works just because they don't fire their coach and I don't you know I think the an important part of that is you got to get a good coach first yeah <laughs> um, but like I, I think there's something too like really stable teams are uh, that's very very good and having it so that everyone in the building always understands the system from front to back because they didn't have to learn it at the start of training camp this year because we got a new guy. I think that that is pretty valuable. And uh, McVeigh would provide that, I feel. You know, like that, that whenever you're in the 15th fucking year of Sean McVeigh, that, uh, you know, you, you got a machine. You'd feel good about it. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen... Uh our friend Liz Brunig tweeting back and forth with a particular account uh, on Twitter. I have taken a little bit of note. I don't know if this is real or not. The pedophiles are on attack. This is incredible. Yeah. It's kind of like the first time I, I found out. I think it's out, real. The first time I found out about Nambla. Yeah. And I didn't. Very similar. I didn't buy it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I couldn't conceptualize of a... Because it's the organization you would make if you were trying to make a joke organization. <laughs> exactly. Or if I wanted to like, if I wanted to prank someone by saying they were a part of something and uh, get them fired for their job, yeah. I 100% would have named it the North American Man-Boy Love Association <laughs> yeah. because it sounds like a Gordon character. Yeah. Like that they're having on Dave from Nambla. <laughs> What's Nambla? Well, it's the North American Man-Boy Love Association. Like... That sounds like a Gordon uh, bit of shtick. Yeah. There is a man supposedly named Harold Blanco whose Twitter account is MAP underscore rights. Mm -hmm. And his Twitter profile reads, destigmatizing minor attraction by spreading the knowledge that minor attracted uh, persons, MAPs, can and should be non-offending and that they have human rights. Yeah. So what this dude kind of did is he took our opinion that I'm not so sure that a 19-year-old who has a 15-year-old girlfriend uh, and gets uh, 
you know, caught or arrested should be treated the same as a 40-year-old who has sex with a child, like a, yeah, a five-year-old. Six, yeah. Oh, now I'm the creepo for going under. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, this, I, I'd committed to saying the word before I, uh, your word hit my ears. I don't, I don't know. I apologize. So he took that line of logic and just absolutely shot it to the moon. Mm-hmm. His pinned tweet about me. I'm a bisexual adult man who starts to find bodies attractive from puberty, but I am only interested in sex or relationship with adults. I made that decision once I grew out of puberty myself. I choose to identify as a map because I want to reduce the stigma around it. It's basically Dan's <sighs> argument that if we all just use the N-word all the time, no one yeah. would care. Yeah. And his tweets are incredible. Like they're so they're so weird. He puts up a poll. A map, minor attracted person, dating uh-huh. site for adult maps and allies. Good idea, terrible idea. And I'll let you know right now. Well, I, I've, I've got to vote. That this came down to a 51-49 split. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> terrible idea well, one. I guess. But a good idea can uh, round the edges off that platform for I, the next know, election cycle. A self-selecting audience on that poll. Uh, the, I think if you put it to the wider world, I, I, have, I have confidence about which side is going to take it. He says, if being a pedophile can be illegal, then, or then, being a furry can be illegal. Being a Lola con can be illegal. Being an age player Don't you can be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Easter basket? No, we got to yeah. Google it now. <laughs> we got to, we got to, we got to Google it. Do we? Uh, Lola con. You want to fuck Jessica Rabbit? This feels like a pretty basic definition. That doesn't, that doesn't, it says the sexual attraction to young girls. Okay. Uh, oh, it's kind of an anime thing too. Okay. <laughs> no a- anime fixated on young, generally prepubescent uh, girls. So right, yeah. uh, he continues, being an age player can be illegal. Don't know. Being trans can be illegal. Being queer can be illegal. So he groups into that being a pedophile yeah. is the same as being a furry. Yeah, or trans. Or trans, yeah. Yeah, that's uh seems like you're going to get a lot of pushback on all sides for that opinion. It just seems like a fucking exhausting like way to live. This like is if, probably my favorite you, one. Like just if you're going along and like you see like a you know the, the David Cross thing always referenced on this podcast often. You know, they they made having sex with 16-year-olds illegal because like people wanted to do it. <laughs> that's his greatest line in his career. And, uh, you know, we have to have a law because, and you know, like, uh, if, and if you, if you're one of those people who's like, you know, occasionally sees someone in high school, like, like that person is attractive. Like to then take that and be like, you know what? I don't need to fight this feeling. I need to make it the central part of my personality and public profile and constantly argue with people. Advocate. It's okay for me to do it as long as I don't actually like uh, act on it. Like, Jesus, what a tedious existence. And I've got uh, other things that I would like to do. Tedious at best. Uh, and if you want to know why he doesn't act on it, he says, I'm anti-contact, not because I think that every instance of sex that a minor could have is harmful, all right. We're already really, really swimming upstream here. <laughs> yeah. I'm anti-contact, not because I think that every instance of sex that a minor could have is harm- uh, is harmful, but because I would believe. Uh, be- Again, be- like I don't, I don't know if I agree or disagree there, 
But just like, Jesus Christ, I would not want to argue about it. No, I would not no. be one of, caught in public being the guy who's like, it's good when kids have sex <laughs> with adults. <laughs> Uh, not because of that, but because I believe there would be more harmful sex with minors overall if we allowed any sex with minors. So basically what he did there is a, uh, a not all pedos. <laughs> <laughs> and he concluded it with, it's not worth placing them at risk. So he has done a cost-benefit analysis. Uh, on one side here, I have how sweet boy puss is. <laughs> <laughs> and, as much, and as great as he may find it, he finds the, uh, the the debits of placing them at risk from other, shall we say, irresponsible pedophiles. That's, that's the tiebreaker <laughs> it's for him. It's just too great. It's, yeah, it's, I, it's coming down to the wire. I don't want these kids getting hurt. Yeah, you know, I don't want some. Because he fucking, cares about them. You know, I don't want some fly off the handle pedophile hurting one of these kids just because I've let them think it was okay yeah. because I fuck kids. You know, we we. We found common ground. I also don't want pedophiles to hurt children, so that's good. Yeah, he's basically making, like, if you were to spin it to, like, a Second Amendment thing where, like, uh, you know, the reverse of I own a gun only because everyone else can. But I would be very glad to not own a gun if they said tomorrow, like, no more guns, right? Yeah. He's just saying, like, look, I mean, as much as I want to do this, you know. As much we, as I feel like I need a gun. Right. We can't really have it be legal because all you one. bad guys with guns would be over here. I don't know, man. And then just uh, good news. You can still be a good ethical person despite being attracted to minors. News? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort you, of new. <laughs> yeah, I think your definition is uh, incorrect there. <laughs> well, that uh, term means something else to me. Tonight's top story here. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Rather's just telling you, hey, it's all right to like sixteen-year-olds. Just kind of tapping a pen on the news desk, yeah. like never thought I'd live to see the day. <laughs> yeah. uh, he started this tweet as a reply to someone saying, "I am pretty close to sexually normative for an adult male." <laughs> Not close enough. I don't know. Like I said, I don't even know. This feels so perfectly on the nose for parody that I'm not positive, but it's also exhaustive. I would like, love there's a to lot find out. Work being done here. I'd love to find out that this is just a big, big joke. Well, anyways, that's all I've got for you. We will have a, uh, we will have a uh, uh, Patreon this week. Everything will be back to normal, and uh, I'll see you at the Fever Club tonight. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.